What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company, Casey Beer Co., Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. It's Thursday. That means for better or for worse, we're here to talk to you about Chiefs as we hit the probably the slowest part of, of the offseason. I know we've commented on this a few times, but this is really it. I mean, this is bottom of the barrel, uh, at least for the Chiefs. Other teams are making moves. Baker Mayfield got traded for a pack of Virginia Slims, so there's that. Uh, what did you think about that trade, by the way, Verderam? I think the Browns showed you why they're the Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield's, I think, 25 years old. Yeah. And you traded him for a conditional fifth round pick two years from now because you yeah. screwed up your asset management so badly that you had to not only trade him for that, you had to eat $10.5 million. When they play the Panthers in week one, they're paying two-thirds of his game check. You you just can't do any worse than that. Carson Wentz has fetched massive hauls comparatively each of the past two years. Carson Wentz stinks. Yeah. And yet Baker, who's had two very good seasons of four and played through a slew of injuries last year, you got a 2024 fifth-round conditional for the Panthers. Makes all sense in the world. For the Browns, I don't, I don't understand how they continue to do this to themselves. If you knew you were going to move them, move them in March when there's a, a feeding yeah. frenzy for quarterbacks. Moving them now, that you got nothing. You got worse than nothing in some ways because you're eating a salary and you're literally getting nothing from him. Yeah, and then you've got Deshaun Watson who's who's – look, I'm all the, the legal stuff and the horrific accusations aside, you, you can understand why a franchise would want Deshaun Watson over Baker Mayfield from a talent standpoint on the field. But, I mean, they just completely – but they alienated the, the guy who won them their first playoff game in, I don't know, most people's lives, 27 lifetimes. Years. <laughs> 27 years. Uh, just, just totally mishandled. But, hey, it's good for the Chiefs. The Browns have a pretty good roster. And, you know, depending on if, – if Deshaun Watson plays, then they'll, they'll probably be a formidable team. And if he doesn't, which it sounds like he's going to at least miss some time, uh, the Browns aren't going to be too much of a problem. So, with all due respect to Jacoby Brissett, not – too terribly concerned about running into those guys in the playoffs. But we're here to talk about the Chiefs as the rest of the NFL 
uh, is on fire, apparently. Lots to talk about for you today. But I want to ask you, Veram, is we're in this, everyone's kind of getting in their summer vacations. I know you take, you usually take a big vacation in the summer too, you know, the last last gas before the season gets started. What's your what's your go-to summer vacation spot? What do you like to do? Home. <laughs> That's it. I like, that's not it. I like going home. I like going yeah. to New York. Yeah. I'll leave July twentieth. I'll be back August twelfth. I'll do a couple of podcasts while I'm on vacation, so I won't be gone too long. Um, although one of the one of the days in the vacation uh, is my birthday, which falls on a Thursday. I will not be here for that because um, I don't know that I'd still be employed after that. But yeah, it'll it's nice to just get away. Uh, my family has a, a lake house that was inherited through uh, my grandparents. My mom is one of five, and so the, the five siblings own the house. And um, we'll go up there for a few weeks, relax, recharge. I'll do my column. I'll do the pods from there, and then uh, I'll come back. And I literally won't take more than maybe two or three vacation days until the end of the NFL draft next year. So ready to go. I think you should come on and do the podcast at least for a few minutes on your birthday. It might be a no way for chance. us to. To, now, now, listen here. Hear me out. We can bribe everybody for some super chats, maybe some tips, drum up a little revenue, keep you employed. You know, birthday present to Matt Verderan. Yeah. yeah. Until you see me in, in that state that uh, I have a feeling I, I won't just be sitting there drinking water that day. It'll probably be a few sure. adult beverages. So I, uh, yeah. I don't think it'd be wise. Plus, I, if I'm getting the super chats, if I'm getting that cash, then call me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's but, what we'll tell you. Yeah, yeah that's right. What we'll exactly. tell you. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll be staying away that day. Hey, when it comes to adult beverages, our favorite adult beverage on this podcast is, of course, our friend's. Casey Beer. The uh, podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. It's the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. You guys know the whole deal. They follow the German purity laws of 1516. They only use four ingredients in their beer. It's absolutely fantastic. They're an award-winning brewery. So when you're out there in, uh, in, in, in Kansas and in Western Missouri, make sure you're looking for that red KC Beer Co. Uh, logo out there in the grocery store. Pick some up if you haven't had it yet. Most of you I know by this point who have been able to get your hands on it have. It's, it's a fantastic. I got an Eisenbach just sitting here staring at me every day. It's a kind of a special one, so I'm, I'm hanging on to it. But do us a favor, give them a shout on Twitter at KC Beer Co. Let them know you heard about their beer on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Keep us in business and dare to beer different. Drink responsibly. Only 21-year-olds out there. No funny business. All right, let, let's talk to some cheese. So we got a couple things to get to today. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, expectations for for some of the, the pieces on the offense because um, there's a lot of changes happening. So what, what, what kind of seasons Mahomes going to have? What kind of season can we expect from Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and MBS? We're going to get into some of that. And we're going to, uh, a little bit later, for some fun, to, because it is summer and it's hot as hell almost everywhere, we're going to rank Dairy Queen blizzards, which we were going to do last week, but my internet went out at the end of the of the show, so we didn't get to it. But that uh, a little treat for you guys all at the end. And we've got some listener reviews we got to get to as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. It helps more people find the content. Appreciate you guys hanging with us all off season. We promise we wouldn't let you down. And here we are, two episodes a week, and training camp is right around the corner. All right, let's talk about... The king, the great one, Patrick Mahomes. And I was, you know, I said there's a lot of conversation about Mahomes and, uh, you know, because he's lost Tyreek Hill and it's going to be a different offense. We've talked a lot about the receivers and, the, you know, the blocking and uh, all this stuff. But, like, what what do you expect from it? Because Mahomes is kind of an interesting career, right? I mean, obviously he had the, that first season 
where you know he he attempted 580 passes, 5,000 yards. Of course, it was a second season, but 5,097 yards, averaged 8.8 yards, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, MVP season. And then you know 2019, all he did to to, to follow that up was you know his numbers went down. There was some regression. There was an injury, he missed some games, but he won the damn Super Bowl. So uh, we'll we'll take that 2019. So. So he goes from 5,000 to 4,000, then in 2020 up to 4,740, and then last year pretty consistent, 4,839 yards. Uh, The touchdowns have been in elite tier, you know, uh, 26 and 2019 with the injury, and then 38 and 37 the last two years respectively. But I wanted your take, Vertigram. One interesting thing about last year, Mahomes attempted more passes in a season than he ever has in his career by a pretty significant margin. In 2020, he attempted 588 passes. Last year, 658. Now, of course, this is the first time he played a a full uh, 17-game season, so that definitely factored in. But what do you expect from Mahomes this year? Just in general, before we get into specifics about like touchdowns and yards, what do you expect from him in general this season? What kind of what kind of season is he going to have? Yeah, I expect him to be great. That's what he is. I, I think he'll be right in the mix to be an MVP. I think he'll be right in the mix to be an All-Pro. That's the kind of talent he is. So I, I don't expect anything different. You know, you rattled off last year's numbers, which for a lot of guys, that would be the best year of their career. He struggled significantly in the middle of the season, along with their offense, and he still put up those numbers. Look, I, I mean, I think that it will look a little different this year, not just for him, but in general. Look, I, there seems to be these two competing schools of thought that I think are both nuts. One is, well, Tyreek Hill made Mahomes, and without Hill, it's just like totally different thing that Mahomes isn't going to be able to handle, which is, is bonkers to me. There's no reason to actually believe that. When Hill did not play certain games because of injuries throughout his career in Kansas City, Mahomes averaged like 362 yards a game. It was fine. The other school of thought on the other side of it is, well, Mahomes made Hill and it won't matter and it doesn't matter that they lost Hill, which I think is also insane. That will matter. It is easier to guard Travis Kelsey now. It'll be harder on third down for the Chiefs, where they have been historically great in recent years. I think overall, I fall in the middle of those two things. Like, he'll be fine. They'll be hurt a little bit on third down, you know, but I... I mean, I look at him and think he's got plenty around him and a great offensive line. He's still going to put together what will probably be, whether or not he wins the award or not, an MVP caliber type season. I've seen some talk about, you know, these guys, guys like Mahomes, they don't need motivation. They're, they're always great. They're always trying to play great. But it's easy for a narrative this time of year, right? You know, that we're, we're talking about Mahomes and Tyreek Hill doing this media tour and talking on his podcast and kind of some slides against Mahomes. a lot to say. This, this offseason. Yeah, like, he, like he certainly does. Wild amount to the point if I was Miami, yeah. I'd beg, dude, just it's it's enough. We've we've got yeah. enough podcast material out of you. We're, we're right. all set. Right. Um, but do you think, you know, Mahomes, we know Mahomes has a petty streak. He hears these things. Now, I think it's preposterous really to suggest that Mahomes is going to somehow play harder, right, this year than he does any yeah, other no. year because he's mad at Tyreek and he wants to make a point. But do you think there's anything to that argument where they're like, maybe he's like, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since he won the Super Bowl. He's heard some of this chatter and he's going to kind of, maybe he he's, he's going to kind of F you some things and try to rack up some, some touchdowns and things like that just to make a point. I don't, I, I don't feel that way. I, I mean, I think, I think if anything is a team, they might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because a lot of people are just kind of counting them out a little bit. And, and when I say that, I don't mean like, Counting them out like, oh, they can't win the Super Bowl. But they're not the favorite anymore. They've kind of fallen back to the pack. And I'm one of those people. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC. I think Buffalo is. I think that will fuel them more collectively than 
will will happen just with Mahomes. Defensively, you've got a lot of young guys who are going to be playing a lot of a lot of energy infused into the building. Um, and I see John asking if anybody thinks there'll be a lingering confidence effects from the second half of the AFC title game. I don't. I no, I don't. I mean, they're a great team. Like I, I you know, look, they they lost the Super Bowl. They got blown out. They got right back to the AFC title game. They're hosting it. You know, I don't. I think that stuff gets overblown. I think as fans, you tend to look at that more. And as a media member, maybe you look at it more. And obviously, in this case, I fall into both. Like, I think maybe it's a little bit like it's a narrative. They're not going to be sitting there week one in Arizona thinking about the Cincinnati game. Like, they're not, that, that's not going to matter. You know, I, my biggest concern with them, and I've said this over and over and over, and I'm going to keep saying it. This team should play differently than it's played in recent years. They have a great offensive line. They should run the ball more. I'm not saying they should be a ground-first team. I'm not saying they should be 50-50 balanced. They shouldn't be. They lost that Bengals game because they absolutely refused to run the ball against the light box, despite the fact they were running Cincinnati over. And if they don't do that, if they don't change, and they're just throwing the ball 40 times a game, they're going to lose again in the playoffs. They need to play a more balanced game. And I, I, that, that's my biggest concern for them, easily, by a mile in terms of their offense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Circling back to, to Mahomes, you know, each year I, I've heard the stack get thrown out. You know, oh, well, you know, Mahomes, is, his average got, has gone down every season, you know, from 8.8, which is absurd. To 8.3, 8.1. Then last year was 7.4. But I think we all kind of knew what happened there, right? Teams were just like out of answers. And they just said, the hell with it. We're just not letting you go deep on us, right? Do you expect that to change this year with his average? I think teams will be more tempted to play less too high because Hill's not there. But you still have Harden and MVS. So while they're not Hill, let's be real, combined, they're not Tyreek Hill. You do have that element of speed. I mean, speed-wise, they're they're very, very fast on the outside. Does that mean you play a little more too high? Maybe. Does it mean as a defensive coordinator, maybe you say, look, prove it to me that those guys can can beat us, and we're going to go a little more one high, and we're going to try to bracket Kelsey? I got to tell you, if I was an opponent, I, that's what I would do. I would bracket Kelsey and say, you go ahead and beat me. Go ahead and let MVS beat one of my corners. Let Hardman beat one of my corners. Uh, beat him. Go ahead. Do it. Now, maybe the Chiefs can do it, but I would make them do it. I, if I'm a defensive coordinator, see, the problem that Chiefs used to pose for everybody was, who are you going to double? Because then the other guy's going to have a huge game. Well, now you're doubling Kelsey. I have absolutely no clue if anybody else can win one-on-one. I think Smith-Schuster can. I think it's why he's going to have a really big year. But no, I think, and that answers the question in a way of Mahomes, I think the average is probably going to be, I think maybe a little higher than 7.4, but probably right around 8. Because you, you've you got to be able to play differently. And by the way, that's fine. The second half of the year when they were, you know, taking what the defense gave them, they were scoring like 37 points a game. It doesn't right. matter. Like, that's one thing that gets so overblown. It doesn't matter. Do you score or do you not? The Chiefs were ruthlessly efficient at the end of last season scoring points. And by the way, when they had to have it offensively in the, in the playoffs, they scored 42 points in each of the first two games against very good defenses. It didn't matter. 
So no, I, I think I think the average might be you know less than it was the first year or two of his career. But I also think that it's that's not indicative of whether or not he's great or the offense is really good. Yeah, I agree. And I think you know you got to think about guys. That average matters when you're talking about other quarterbacks who maybe they can't throw the ball very accurately deep to uh, some other people like that, right? But like right. with a guy like Mahomes, Mahomes just his his average didn't drop because all of a sudden he was scared to throw the ball downfield or he was overthrowing guys and was super inaccurate. You know, his his completion percentage in 2021 was the exact same as it was in 2020 and better than it was in 2019 and better than it was in 2018, by the way, when he won the, won the MVP. It was right. just what defenses were doing. It was a chess match. And I think we'll see things improve in that department a little bit just because, it, it, to your point, I think the Chiefs offense is going to be a little different. I think they're going to be a little more multiple. I think teams are going to mix up their defenses a little bit more. So I got to ask you this one then. What's your prediction for Mahomes? How many touchdowns? How many yards for 2022? I'll say yardage. He's right in the same ballpark in 17 games. I'll say he's like 4,700 yards wise. Touchdowns. You know, I'll go a little different on this. I'll say 34, which is a little down. It's still a great year. The reason being, again, I would hope and think you got three running backs now and a great offensive line. Like, I would think you're going to run the ball a little bit more down there. Maybe run the ball in a few times. But yeah. again, I, I think he's going to have an MVP caliber season. I think he's going to have his 4,700 yards. You know, let's even say 35 touchdowns. And then, you know, 11 picks. I mean, that's an outrageous season. Like, I think we're, we're so numb to it because he's so great. Yeah. Like, that's an unbelievable year. If he does that, he's absolutely in the mix for being in the MVP consideration, right? He might be the favorite. Like, we all forget that, like, and Alex Smith was a solid quarterback. If Alex Smith ever put up one year like that, like, your head would have fallen <laughs> off your body, okay? Right. Mahomes, it's like, those, yeah, yeah, that's about what I'll do. So, no, I'll, I'll go with that. And I think I'm being conservative with the touchdowns, but I'll, I'll do that because I think they might try to run the ball more down inside the five-yard mark. I, I, I love it. I hope that they do. I'm with you. I think I think we'll see a little bit of a dip in the yards from last year. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think they'll need to throw quite as much. I'm thinking maybe around somewhere around 46 4,500 yards. But I think his touchdowns go up this year uh, by a little bit. I think he goes over 40 again for the second time in his career. He's got a lot of big targets to throw the ball to down there in the red zone. I mean, now you got to worry about Kelsey, but you got some other big guys down there, big bodies. I've been hearing about MVS, like he's throwing up jump balls. I think that could be really interesting part of their uh, red zone offense this year. Let us know what you guys think in the chat. Uh, your uh, predicted yards and touchdowns for Pat this season. One last question for you on Mahomes before we move on. Last season, he actually rushed for the most yards he has in a season with 381 yards. Uh, Mahomes not a running quarterback per se, an elusive quarterback, an athletic quarterback for sure, but he's not a Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen type, and I don't think any of us want him to be taking that abuse that those guys take. But he averaged 5.8 yards, and he, and he ran when he had to last year, and the way teams were playing them, there was some more open space for him. Do you anticipate him having another season like that with rushing or do you think he'll stay around go back to sort of in the 200s what he what he was doing a couple years ago i actually think you might see him run for more yards because i think teams are going to play a lot more man coverage against them and you can run easier against man coverage because guys turn their back mahomes is funny in that regard um and nate just said he's faster than whoever's chasing him which is, it always seems to be true with him. Like he 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 won't run unless he feels like he needs to. But when he needs to, he can always do it. I mean, I I will forever. I like well to this point anyway. I will argue the greatest play of his career 
was his run against Tennessee. I, I, to me, it's better than any throw he ever made, which is incredible considering how many throws he's made and how many huge games. But that, that to me, is the best game he's ever had, or actually the best plays he's ever had. Look at last year against Buffalo. He ran for almost 70 yards in that game. He felt yeah. like he had to do it, so he did it. I actually think he might crack 400 this year. I don't think it's going to be crazy. I don't think he's going to be like 800 or something, but I think he might crack 400. Yeah. It, very interesting, and I agree with you on that run against Tennessee. That's one of those demoralizing – I mean, that's putting that you in game the game was over. Right? It, that was – and it's, it's very much like, you know, the, the play on the goal line with the Chiefs against Cincinnati when they didn't score. You know, that was a big momentum play for Cincinnati. It gave them hope. And, and that run against Tennessee, I think that, that those guys were like – they had to have just been like, God damn it. God damn it. You know, that move he made, I just absolutely incredible run. I'm, I'm fine with him rushing more as long as he gets his ass down and doesn't take any hits. I'd be fine with that. Um, some people from the chat, Doyle Barbecue says 35 touchdowns and 16 picks. Oh, gee, I hope not 16 picks. I feel like he'll go back down. We didn't talk interceptions really, but I feel like the picks will go back down. Maybe he gets a few early on as he's still getting timing with all of these new receivers and there's some, you know, some issues there, but I could see him going back to, you know, nine, 10, maybe if things go his way a little bit. A lot of this is luck. But even if you look at last year with the 13 interceptions, how many of those were off Tyree Kill's hands alone? Two, yeah, three? They, uh, at least three. I can think of three right off the top of my head. At least three. There was one in Washington. Uh, there was one against the Chargers. And I can see the other one. And I cannot think of who it was against. Was it against Denver? I can't remember. Well, there was also one where. It wasn't on Hill, but Robinson just completely ran the wrong route against the Raiders in their in the yeah. red zone, and Mahomes threw right out of the guy. Look, you know, oh Buffalo, yeah, thank you, Nate. Yep, that that's what that's the one I was thinking of. And Elijah says Denver SNF, so maybe I was thinking of another one too. Yeah, there there were a lot of them. I mean, yeah. well, there was also the the problem early. I thought with Mahomes last year, at times it was just it was too loose, and that was kind of indicative of the whole team. You know, they had all those fumbles early in the year. I mean, they just kept yeah. turning the ball over. But Mahomes in particular, I remember that game in the week three against the Chargers where you know, he threw that ball to Kemp that Kemp would have scored on if he had just hit him in the numbers, but he and he threw it like no look, and there was no reason to no look it. And it was a ball Kemp should have caught, but it was high, and it went through his hands, and Samuel made a great diving pick. Like That's something that I'd like to see them clean up. Like that, I think, is the one thing, and this isn't Mahomes, but just in general, because of some of the talent they've lost, they can't afford to just be this loosey-goosey circus that sometimes they are. Where it's like, ah, they made a ridiculous mistake, but it doesn't matter because they'll overcome it. Like, as great as they are, that kind of stuff gets you killed. And I think we saw that in that AFC title game. Like, that yep. that play with Hill at the end of the half, that was just insane. And I don't care who you want to assign blame to. You want to blame Reed, you want to blame Biennemi, you want to blame Mahomes, you want to blame all of them, whatever. It doesn't matter. That is an asinine decision that I believe is born out of arrogance that they just can do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter how, like, even late in that game. Like, think about, you know, and I don't, I don't want to make everybody go home and and, and 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 drink, but think about second and goal. They're down a field goal. They're in a position there where the Bengals, if memory serves, are out of timeouts. And there's like a minute and maybe 10 on the clock. It's second goal at the four. If you run the ball there, even if you don't get in, I mean, unless it's a total disaster, worst case scenario, you're probably at like the three or the four or something like that. And there's 30 seconds left. And if you if you kick a field goal after third down, okay, fine, you go to overtime. If you score a touchdown, you win the game. And Andy calls a pass play that they, they end up losing yards on because Mahomes takes a sack. And then they almost blew the game on a fumble the next down that they lost 20 yards on. They turned it like a 45-yard field goal. That kind of stuff. Like, I could make a real argument 
that cost them winning a Super Bowl. They were running the ball for seven yards of carry. Like, they might have walked in the end zone, but they didn't do it. And, and that is the thing for me, along with balance, that desperately has to change this year with this team. It cannot always just be, well, we'll do whatever the hell we want. I mean, I always go back to what I think is the worst play call I've ever seen in my life from a Chiefs head coach. That speed, that read option, speed option with Blake Bell against Buffalo. Look, they won the game, so it's get, it gets forgotten at time. That is the dumbest play call I've ever seen in my life from a Chiefs coach. I mean, I would say that the Daryl Bevel in the Super Bowl Seattle's worse, but like from a Chiefs coach, like what possible thing could you have been thinking to call that play? And that is the thing this year where maybe they would have overcome it in the past. They're not overcoming that this year. Not not in the beginning anyway, while they're all getting used to each other. Like they will lose games. That has to stop. And that's an Andy Reid thing. That's not a Mahomes thing. Well, congratulations, Herm Edwards. You're off the hook. For a worse play call. For That's right. Chiefs. Andy's Andy's got him with that train. Andy's right. got you. Uh, just real quick before as we move on, Jose says um, 4,800 yards, 42 touchdowns. Uh, Teak says 4,500 passing yards, 40 plus touchdowns, and 350 rushing yards for Mahomes. Midnight Matters says 45 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I could see that. That 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 could very well be possible. Just some of your predictions for Mahomes. All right, we are going to get to some listener reviews. But first, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic family. Members get access to special emojis and loyalty badges they can use during the live YouTube streams. And they also get invites to private uh, private Discord. Uh, we got one coming up next week. We're going to do some trivia with the AA hosts. We talk cheese football, movies, beer. Uh, uh, it's all, all kinds of great conversations in there. Cereal. So um, check it out. It's uh, links in the description if you're interested in joining. It's a great way to be a sustaining supporter of the show. We appreciate your support. Wanted to get to a few listener reviews really quickly. This one comes from our PR manager, Clint McKenzie. Uh, five stars. The best cheese podcast around. I listen to everything cheese I can find, but this podcast is without question the best. Even during the slow Chiefs news times, it's enjoyable. Don't miss it. Appreciate you, Clint. Our guy, Dunk 56 five stars. A very good listen. Verderam and Patrick are great. Very analytical. They're practically encyclopedias and history books who appeal to my extremely left brain mind. That's mostly Verderam, by the way. Um, they also love candy and cereal even better. Matt Connor and Sterling are a bit more loose, Make a great, would make a great hairband and random references and very much appeal to the right brainers that have, uh, and they've much, uh, they've very much grown on me. As someone who talks to people for a living, I must say that both pairs are very good facilitators who have conversations planned and are both able to keep the conversation going strong. I can't say how much I enjoy listening to this podcast in my truck with the windows down, driving through Denver, seeing all the, uh, all the folks who think Russ is the savior. Big, big smile imaginable right there. Keep up the great work, gents. Appreciate that. And glad to know that you're you're broadcasting Verderam to all of Denver. Good. Just adding to their to good. their misery. Yeah. I, uh, I always enjoy wow. going on the radio there. That's always a good time. Yeah. Reach yeah. the masses. By um, the way, it was at the last uh, review. Uh, we got one more here. Oh, um, far away. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, best Chiefs podcast for Chiefs fans from John Jogo. Uh, I listen to all the cheese podcasts as I live in Houston, Texas, and it's the only way to get my cheese fix. I think the hosts are not only entertaining, but well-versed in cheese news and updates. They keep me sane in the off-season and during the season. I love how they break down each game at halftime and post-game. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you're new, if you're just sort of joining us, you know, in the off-season, you stumbled yep. across this podcast, we go hard in the season, man. I mean, we, we do two episodes a week. We're doing, uh, a lot of times we do pre-game, halftime, and always do a post-game show. 
it's a lot of fun. So we'll definitely see you there. Uh, and with that, Gerda, what do you have to say? Uh, the uh, Hall of Fame made an announcement while we've been doing this podcast. So they have announced their semifinalists for coach, contributor, and senior categories. Uh, there are 25 senior candidates, three of which will be put up for possible induction in 2023. Of those 25, there is a chief on the list. I figured people would like to know that. Otis Taylor That's is a semifinalist. Oh, and then yeah. in the uh, coach contributor category, just combined. Only one gets chosen per year. Very hard to get through. There are 29 semifinalists. Three of them have strong ties to the Chiefs, uh, one of which is Carl Peterson. Carl oh, Peterson wow. is up, which is uh, and Carl. interesting. He's in there. Marty Schottenheimer is in there. And Lloyd Wells is in there, who, if people are not familiar, and understandably, he was the first full-time black scout in professional football. He worked for the Chiefs, I believe, back when they were Dallas Texans, certainly for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was a massive driver of the Chiefs mining black historical colleges to find guys like Otis Taylor, Buck Buchanan, Emmett Thomas, Willie Lanier. He should have been the Hall of Fame 20 years ago. He's absolutely deserving both as a pioneer, but also as literally one of the greatest scouts in NFL history. Yeah, you've mentioned him on the podcast before. Certainly deserving. And, uh, you know, you know me, man. Put Marty in immediately. Oh, there we go. The children have have, have invaded the podcast. Major, what do you have to say for yourself? The Chiefs are a good team. Chiefs are a good team. The Chiefs are a good team. Way to go, Maisie. Bring, bring it up right. Um, yeah, put Marty in yesterday. I'll say this for Carl. Now a lot of people... They had, the, you know, a lot of that was Marty, but the Chiefs had a good stretch there with with Carl at the helm. Um, stop not as it. Good as Just stop like. it. No. Look, look, and I'm going to say this for Carl. I'm going to say this for Carl. Carl, as, as I understand it, I could be wrong in this, but as I understand it, he was a big driver behind turning Arrowhead Stadium into a, you know, a college atmosphere, opening it up for tailgating, and really try to drive that. That's become a big part of, of, of Chiefs culture. He was... And look, he deserves a lot of credit for turning them around in the late 80s when they were, had been a tire fire for 15 to 20 years. That being said, he belongs in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. Yeah, there, yeah. There I don't, is I don't no know that way on earth like he belongs. Now, I know as a contributor, you can say, well, you know, USFL, all the stuff he did there, Philadelphia, fine. He Schottenheimer, I will forever argue, deserves Hall of Fame mention. I mean, I get the people who say he didn't win a Super Bowl. He never got to a Super Bowl. That guy, you're going to tell me there are a lot of better coaches than him? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if you said one game, your life, Schottenheimer or Marv Levy, give me Marty Schottenheimer like all day, every day. You don't think if Marty coached those Bills teams, they wouldn't have gotten some Super Bowls? Like I, but that being said, as much as I love Marty, Lloyd Wells is the most deserving of any of them. And Otis Taylor should have also been in the Hall of Fame about 25 years ago. And for those who say, well, stats don't compare, it was a totally different era. You talk to anybody of that age, and I've been fortunate enough to do so. Most people will tell you back then, the most dominant receivers of the era, Lance Allworth, Don Maynard, Fred Bolitnikoff, and Otis Taylor. Otis Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame. John F. says, Carl about ran me over in Miami, plowed through the line I was in standing standing in after the game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, almost got knocked over by Carl Peterson. Yeah, I don't think Carl probably should be in the in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, but no. some people were, you know, he 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 had his he had his moments for the Chiefs. But yeah, glad, glad we're where we're at right now with Brett Peach.
All right, let's move on here. So we talked about Mahomes and, and this new look Chiefs offense a little bit. And we've talked a little bit about McCole Harbin and Juju Smith-Schuster. But like, what do you expect from MVS? And I, I was reading some stuff on ESPN.com today when I was prepping for the podcast. And there were some quotes recently you know, from the offseason activities from, from both Andy and from MVS. There are some clues as to how maybe the Chiefs might be using MVS. Now, most people know him as primarily a deep threat in Green Bay. Um, he would have these games where he just kind of exploded and then maybe go away for a little bit. Well, as, as guys who are primarily deep threats tend to do. Now, in, in Green Bay, he averaged 17.5 yards per catch. I got two quotes I want to read you, Verdam, and I want to get your thoughts here. Andy Reid said this offseason, Marquez can do a lot of things, a lot of different things. He's got good start-stop abilities. He's a big target. He can run your slant games. He can run your deep throws. He can run the intermediate routes. He's got a good feel in space, so he gives us some flexibility in there. And then he said he's able to work some of the primary underneath routes. He maybe didn't do as much in Green Bay because of who they had there, so I've been pleased with how he goes about it. MVS, in a, in a separate uh, interview, said, I'm not necessarily saying I was limited in Green Bay, but we had, a, we had specific roles, he said. When I was there, we were a pretty good offense for my four years, so it worked, and we won a lot of football games. So you can't really complain. We were winning. I've been a top deep threat in, in the four years of my career. Obviously, those stats speak for themselves. But also, I'm not limited to just that. Coach Reed does a really good job of getting his playmakers the ball. So when we think about MVS coming into this offense, I think a lot of people, and with Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of people are thinking, okay, MVS is your deep threat. He's going to take over some of those routes for Tyree Kill. Juju's going to be getting underneath. What do those quotes tell you about how he might be used in this offense? And is it interesting that they both made a point of talking about how it's not just the deep threat abilities? I mean, yeah, but that's why he's in Kansas City. Like, I try not to get swayed by this stuff in the offseason. You know, it's like yesterday when you saw the Baker Mayfield trade and Peter Schrager, who I have a ton of respect for. Peter does a great job. But he put out there, and, and, I, and listen, he's doing his job, but he put out there that, you know, he talked to somebody who said essentially that the Panthers weren't just giving the job to Baker and that and that, that, that Sam Darnold showed well. And it's like, let's be real. Sam Darnold's not getting that job. Like, there, there's no fucking chance Sam Darnold is starting for them. Okay? Let's just spare me the whole, you know, he had a really good spring. That's nice. Uh, they won five games last year. He's not starting. MVS, you're going to tell me all of a sudden, after all this time in Green Bay, he's going to start running routes all over creation. He's going to be a guy who's underneath me. I could see them maybe doing some stuff to line of scrimmage with him. You know, some bubble screens, some quick hitters. Okay, he's there to stretch the field. That's why he's there. And if they prove me wrong with that and he becomes this really complete receiver, awesome. But I think when you look at the Chiefs, they have a very, you know, to use the line from Taken, right? A very specific set of skills. He's a deep threat. Hardman's a guy you can run some of the gadget stuff with. You can get him at the line of scrimmage. He's also an, he's a go-route guy. Smith-Schuster is more of the underneath. He's going to play some bully ball. Every once in a while, you can throw a deep ball to him, but he's that intermediate, short intermediate guy. Kelsey, of course, we know what his skill set is. And then the guy who's intriguing, because you don't know 100% yet, is Sky Moore. Although by watching his tape, I think he's a guy who they're going to use, you know, they're going to try to really run a diverse route tree with him. But I, I don't, as much as it all would be nice, I don't buy into the whole idea that all of a sudden MVS is going to be this guy who's running, you know, in cuts and out cuts and corner routes and post routes and go, like, here's who he is. I think you're going to see posts, you're going to see goes, you're going to see the occasional play at the line of scrimmage. Every once in a blue moon, they might run him on a slant, try to take advantage of his speed against a, a, a middle open defense. And that's what you'll see. I don't know, man. I don't put this in the same category as Peter Schrager because it's coming from the player 
and Andy Reid. I get what you're saying about the, the fact that he is what he is, and they're going to lean into his strength and his skill set. But I read another quote, I, I can't remember exactly where, about Mahomes talking about, you know, a lot of the receivers were banged up in the offseason activities, and he really liked how he could he would throw the ball to MVS on the sidelines. He'd go up and get it, use his body. You know, I'm just wondering if this offense is, we're going to see more of this. I, they've been so spread out. With with Tyree Kill and everything, and if we're, I just wonder if we're going to see a little bit more of that kind of more traditional West Coast offense, you know, with some of those shorter passes, and then you know, that's why they brought in all these guys who can block more screens. You know, you 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 run a guy like MVS on a slant, and you dump the ball off to somebody else, and then he's right there knocking a linebacker out of the way using that big body. I'm just wondering if you know we'll see more of that from this team going into this season to to say fine. You want to you want to you want to take away the t- the the routes over the top from us? Screw you! We're just going to annihilate you. Set these things up underneath and get a ton of yards after the catch. They might. They might. I still believe with them. Their best route to to win and win often offensively, and I think, by the way, they will. I think they're going to be a very good offense, is to get teams to commit more to the line of scrimmage. That offensive line should be a weapon for them. I'm going to harp on this till the end of time. They they should use that offensive line, not only running the ball in the screen game. That should be a, a weapon that they use, all, especially with McKinnon and, and CEH and catch the ball. Like you should make coordinators say, you know what? All right, we got to put seven guys in the box. We got to challenge Mahomes to make throws. That's what if you're a Chiefs fan, that's what you want. You want defensive coordinators challenging him to make throws. And you know, I think sometimes because of the way they play, they get away from that. They make it easier to defend themselves. But I still feel like I know what MVS is. I know who Smith Schuster is. I know I know who who Kelsey is. Sky Moore, of course, is yet to play down. And McCole Hardman, while I know who he is to this point, I, I firmly believe there's more to him. I really do. I, I think there's a lot more than than so far has what has met the eye, but that's got to be proven out. And you know, I think what Hardman can bring and what Moore is as a rookie is going to determine whether this is a good receiving core or it's a great one. John F. agrees with you. He says, crossing routes, lots of stuff underneath the Juju and Sky with MVS and Hardman yep. running deep. So what is your prediction for, for MVS this year? How many, how many receiving yards does he have? 600, 650, right there. I mean, that, because, did you, is it all spread out for you? Does he lead the team? Is it Juju? Who's going who's gonna to be the leading receiver? Oh, he, if he well? leads the team at 650, something's gone drastically wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think Kelsey will. It'll be Kelsey. I, I think Kelsey will have 1,200 yards like he always does. And then, by the way, though. And among the receivers. Juju. I think I think if Juju Smith-Schuster – here, you want a fun prediction for July? Here's one. Yeah. If Juju Smith-Schuster stays healthy, I think he's going to catch 100 balls. I'm with you. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think MVS will be fine. I think he'll be fine. I think Hardman will do what he normally does. I, you know, I think more will probably be limited early, you know, but then like they'll kind of bring him in a little bit more, uh, no pun intended. I think Juju Schmidt-Schuster is the guy to look at who you could say, oh, wow, he has 100 catches for 1,150 yards, and he's just killing people on third down in the red zone. Like that, he's the guy. They've been after him for two years, and there's a reason because they know how well he fits in that offense. The big question with him is if he's healthy because I have seen so many people say, well, the last couple of years he hasn't been productive. Look who he's been playing with, a quarterback. That offense was a disaster the last two seasons, and he was hurt last year if that guy's on the field for 17 games in this offense he will destroy people he was a great not good a great receiver only a few years ago and he's 24 years old if i had to bet on anybody it's him 
He's the guy I look at and go, yeah, I could see him having an enormous year. Agreed. I think he's going to have a great year as well. Joshua in the chat asks, does Juju get re-signed if that happens, if your prediction comes true, uh, or is he too expensive at that point? I think they'd resign him because they they have look Brett Veach is fairly predictable at this stuff. If a guy's in his twenties, they're willing to pay him, and he's in his twenties. I don't think they would pay him like elite top tier money. But if he really produces, do I think they'd give him three and forty five? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't command top tier money. He's not going to get like a Tyree Co contract after no, one not. more good year. He's not. But he'll be. I think he'll be glad, you know, to to resign with Mahomes. And as you pointed out, he's only twenty four, so he could sign a a four year deal or something, play with Mahomes, and 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 get one more. If he wants. He's as young as guys coming. Some guys coming into the league. There are 24-year-old yeah. rookies this year. By the way, I think this is funny. I was doing uh, research for Stack and Box. This is completely a, a little bit of a left turn, but just uh, I hope people find this interesting. Jerry Rice obviously holds the record for like every receiving mark there is. Okay, receptions, yards, touchdowns, all of it. If you just took Jerry Rice's career from age 30 on, he's still eighth all time in receptions. He's eighth all time in yardage, and he has over 100 receiving touchdowns. If you eliminate his 20s, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Right, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. I always laugh when people are like, I'll tell you what, Randy Moss. It's like, listen, man, I, I saw Randy Moss. I saw him up close in person. I was on the sideline for a few of his games in his career, working for ESPN. Let me tell you something. He is an unbelievable player. The greatest player in NFL history in terms of the dominance of his talent at his position is not, it's not even close. Sorry, Rice. Like, it, I just did that for fun. The guy had over 13,000 yards after he turned 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I know that has nothing Incredible. to do with what we're talking about, but I was doing the, uh, I was doing uh, a random stat for my stack in the box column and I came across that and was just floored. Yeah. Out in the, uh, the chat, um, IOFIS says, I think it's a good receiving group, but not great, uh, but is good depth. They can make all the plays uh, and we have a, a quarterback who processes fast enough to use the depth. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, and, and Drew Wallace says, I, I think we are really deep at the wide receiver position. I feel really good about this offense. Look, I'll tell you what, from a diversity of talent standpoint, right? Like there's a lot to like about this group. How will it all work? Will it come together in this offense? We don't know. That remains to be seen, but it could be really interesting. It's definitely deeper than the Chiefs have had in a long time. It's not as top-heavy because Tyree Kill's ridiculous, but it's very deep and diverse, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it comes together. Did you guys know that the Arrowhead Attic Podcast now has swag? Check out the link in the description and rock some Arrowhead Attic Podcast gear. Check out the Adidas golf hat. I like to mention that one. It's going to start getting cold pretty soon. Football season's coming. So maybe stock up on that champion hoodie. We appreciate your support. Link in the description. Okay. Lastly, when we're talking about the offense, I was chatting with some people on Twitter today and I wanted to get your opinion is what are the expectations for Clyde Edwards Alaire this year? And we've talked about, you know, his first season he came in, you know, I was arguing with somebody on there because I, you know, I, I said, I thought he had a, a, you know, very good rookie season. Really solid 1100 all purpose yards. And I thought maybe that this year he might have his best season yeah, he had a, a COVID-shortened offseason. That first year coming in as a rookie, didn't really get through the whole offseason program like normal. Last year, he lost a bunch of weight, was coming off an injury, and had some issues last season. And I think a lot of people have just written him off. Now, there are some things that show up on the tape. On the field, you see, you know, maybe he, he, he doesn't hit the holes. The field vision sometimes could be a little bit better. But then he goes and he does, you know, every once in a while, like he does something like he did against the Steelers, where he just absolutely ran into a brick wall and tried to tackle him and it's just scored a touchdown. 
you could see the talent there. But a lot of people were just so frustrated after two years because he hasn't been lived up to his draft position, um, which isn't his fault, by the way, um, where he got drafted. But do you think – what do you expect out of him this year? Do you think he makes the leap or is he just a guy? I think he's a guy. I think he's a guy. I'm being honest. I think he's a guy. I think he's okay. I don't think he's terrible. He'll be, he'll stay in the league, but I think he's probably going to have like 800 total yards. The other problem he's got is he's going to share the field. I mean, McKinnon's going to play. Jones is going to play. I, I just have a hard time. Like, there's nothing that stood out to me that he's going to make the leap. The last year in the playoffs, their best running back was Jarek McKinnon. Like, easily. I, I like CEH as a player in terms of like a guy on the roster. Do I like him as like on the field for 90% of the snaps? No, I don't. I think he's a guy. What was what? What was Derrick Henry's first couple of seasons like? They were underwhelming, but he also didn't get a ton of carries because he was attached to DeMarco Murray. And I believe Chris yeah. Johnson at the very end of his career in Tennessee. But like, I mean, C- I'm not saying I'm not comparing CEH to Derrick Henry. My God, he's not Derrick Henry. But I'm just saying in terms of like, hey, sometimes guys and running backs, it's possible they come into the league and it takes them a little while to to reach their full potential. And Jay Ward's asking if they picked up his fifth year option. Jay Ward, that's after this season. They'll make that determination. My guess is that they probably won't unless he breaks out. But I just the only thing I was going to say, and 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 it got brought up in the chat just now. Like it, it, they've never played to the guy's strengths ever. Like they never throw him the ball. They don't get him in space. They don't they don't run screens for him. And I I keep look. I again, guys, you're going to hate me by by the end of the summer because I'm going to keep saying this. For the love of God, you've got Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney. Run the ball for some balance. Throw some screens. Get guys in space. Like you're not. You need to do that. You need to do to not do that is a is a sin with this offensive line and and for those running backs. You have to do that. You have to learn to do it. I'll say this for Ceh. He's never gotten more than you know. He had 181 carries in 2020 in 13 games. He averaged 4.4 yards, which is which is good. And then last year he got 119 carries. He averaged 4.3 yards. So the Chiefs aren't giving him the ball. They're not running him a lot. Well, because so, you have to Ray Charles sometimes. That, that, that's that's fair. But also, you, we know you said in the same podcast, Andy Reid refuses to run the ball. He does. Um, and we we've seen every you know some of his best games are games where Andy ran the ball. You know where he got a lot of carries and he and he he got into a rhythm. When you look back at his stats, so I'm not saying he's going to be Derrick Henry or he's going to be Jonathan Taylor or breakout. But I'm just saying, don't count the kid out. There's a reason they drafted him. He has talent. He's He's got 300, exactly, 300 career rushing attempts. So like, maybe let's just not bury him really quickly. But So your prediction is 800 yards? How yeah, many total, touchdowns? Total yards. Uh, nine. Wow, 800 total yards. So yeah. you think he's going to do, do worse all-purpose than he did? What do you have last, last year? Last year. Last year, he had 517 rushing, 129 uh, receiving. Oh, so he had more this year. Now, he missed a few games last year, I know. And he only um, played in 10 games last year. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so maybe maybe I'm, I'm underselling him a little bit. You know, all right, I'll, I'll bump it up a little because, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I don't think they'll much more. Like, I'll say, I don't mean 900. They, they're going to give Ronald Jones the ball. They're going to give McKinnon the ball, and they should give Gore the ball. No, whether or not they do it, I have no idea if they should. Yeah, I just, I, I think because of the committee that they have, yeah, that's where I kind of land on. All right, it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to have his best season as a pro. Hope you're right. Uh, I I think he's going to rush for a thousand yards this year. I okay. think he'll add in. Uh, I think he'll add in, in two hundred more on the receiving end as well. So that'll be around the same numbers, you know, similar numbers that he had his uh, his rookie year. And actually, you know, he may have more receiving yards. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs are planning to run more screens and use these downfield blockers. 
he could have a couple where he pops a few. If if they decide to use him in the screen game, maybe they go to somebody like McKinnon. God knows they're not going to go to Ronald Jones, who can't catch the ball. So if 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 ever there was a season where they were going to try to take advantage of what we heard coming out was a strength of his, which was which was catching the football, it would probably be this season, given the the running I'm, back stable they have right now. I'm sure I'll be talking about him plenty, whether we're here stacking the box doing his spaces on Twitter. Now, for reasons I'll never understand, uh, Twitter allows people to super follow me. So I'm sure I'll be talking about, about Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the uh, the super follow spaces, which you want to check that out. That'd be that'd be awesome if you're on Twitter. Um, it's just more me, which I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing, a fireball fence. I don't know. But Twitter has uh, has granted it, and so here we are. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll be a hot topic. I'm sure he'll be a hot topic all throughout the season. He always is. It'll be interesting interesting to watch. Mr. Schwamp asked me, you know, why? Why do you think that? I think that for a couple of different reasons. One, I think he's going to be fully healthy, bearing any setbacks, and he wasn't last year. When we read that he lost a lot of weight, That's that takes a big impact on muscle mass, all that stuff. So I think he'll be fully healthy. So I think he'll be, you know, reasonably the same shape he was when he was a rookie, maybe a little, a little bit better even. Uh, and I think the Chiefs will be more committed to running the ball. So I don't think he'll play in 10 games this year. I think he'll play in, in, in all the games or most of the games. And I think the Chiefs will be more committed to running the ball. I think he's going to get more than 119 carries that he got last year. I think he's got a shot at getting over 200 carries and he's going to, you know, so that, that, that's my, that's my thinking there. It's a couple of different things. Um, and it's also, it looked like it, it, it's not a technically like the, the contract year, right? Like he's, because he get that fifth year option. He doesn't want to have a, a bad season and then be cut loose. Um, so this is, a, this is the moment for him. The Chiefs need more offensive skill set players to step up. Why not CEH? I, I, look, I don't think it's going to be Ronald Jones. I love Jarek McKinnon. I don't think Jarek McKinnon is going to be anything more than he was last year, which is a guy that they use in spot duty. That's so is it so is it going to be Clyde? Is it going to be Derek Gore? You know, again, Ronald Jones, not a great blocker, can't catch the ball. So who's going to be on the field in third downs? Maybe it's Jarek McKinnon, but I, I, I think – they're going to try to use – they're going to find out what they have in Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year, uh, and then they're either going to move on or they're going to re-sign it. So it's going to be interesting to see. A few people in the chats. Uh, Mr. Toast says 800 rushing, 300 receiving for him. So we've got some of your predictions in there as well. All right. Now we come to the moment that you've all been waiting for, which is our power ranking of Dairy Queen blizzards. But first, really quickly, because we're in the food portion of the podcast now, I have a quick cereal review. Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters. Have you had these, Vertoram? I have not. And I love Lucky Charms, but I have not had those. So everybody and their mother are putting out versions of their cereals with marshmallows now because they figured out that Lucky Charms and Count Chocula know what the hell they're doing. Right. Um, I love regular Lucky Charms. I was a little bit skeptical of these. They have these marshmallow clusters ones. So they've replaced the standard cereal with these like little, they're kind of like Rice Krispie treats. Uh, they don't taste just like them, but very close. You know, the marshmallow flavor. And then they've got like a honey one, which I'm going to try to review next. I have got to say, I think it's better than regular Lucky Charms. Wow. And that, I know that's, that's, that's a, a big deal. I so, had to do a peer review here. Fine. Yeah. So I've got the, because you've got the marshmallows. The marshmallows are there. Right. But the but the but they've replaced the sort of standard Lucky Charm cereal, which is fine. But like, let's be honest, the star of Lucky Charms is the Lucky Charms, is the marshmallows. With this, the cereal has improved. It does take a little bit of shine off the marshmallows because now they're competing with each other and there's a lot of sugar. But sure. I like them. Uh, I'm giving them four CT crunches. Like if you're looking to mix things up, 
this is a good buy uh, hey. from regular Lucky Charm. So uh, check it out. Um, How are we yeah, not going to buy a cereal at this point? I don't understand why we don't have a, a cereal. Gen- General Mills, whoever's the CEO of that company, ought to be fired. Yeah, yeah. Count, count Chocula, make it year-round, and, and General Mills sponsor the podcast, right? How do you not make it year-round? I'd, I'd happily have diabetes at this point if, if Count Chocula right. was year-round. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well done. I'll have to. I'll have to try that. I'll have to get that. Yeah, get it. Get a box. Um, all right, it's time. Give me your top three, three, two, and one. Your favorite Dairy Queen Blizzard flavors. All right. So I will preface this by saying that I love Dairy Queen, but I don't go a ton because I, 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 around here I always end up going like Culvers and stuff like that. So I will preface it by saying that a little bit, uh, although. If I if there's a Dairy Queen around and I happen to see that first, and I'm I'm headed over there. So three, two, and one. This was hard. There's a lot of really good ones. So in the summer, and I don't. It's not a year round thing, but they have sometimes they'll have a uh, they'll have Girl Scout cookies as part of the blizzards. And oh yeah, the, the thin, thin mint. The thin mint one is ridiculous. It's it's. Okay. I, I hate even saying just three, but it's three for me. It's unbelievable. Number two, I'm going Reese's Extreme. Which basically is just every kind of Reese's packed into one. It's incredible. I love it. I could eat it nonstop. I have eaten it nonstop. But number one, I've got to go with it. It's my two favorite types of candies in the world. It's got to be the Reese's Pieces cookie dough one. Just takes the cake for me. It's all good. I love cookie dough. I love Reese's. There's peanut butter sauce in there. It it is just oh, it's heaven. It's heaven. So that I, that was hard. I could have named like the top ten easily, but that's my top three. Yeah, there's a ton of great ones. I, I, I the, in the summertime, this is a se- second year in a row they've done it. I think they released the drumstick blizzard. That's yeah. freaking fantastic. Yeah. That's a really good one. Let's uh, some uh, oh criminal criminal zebra celebrating four months as an Arrowhead Attic member. What's up zebra? S'mores is fire. Yeah, the s'mores is really good. All right, so mine. My wife's um, I went. I went with, there's so many great alternates. You know, I went with just the standard core flavors for my rankings and, and didn't get into like the extremes and stuff like that because it gets okay. too messy. So number three, Oreo. Absolutely fantastic. Oreo anything. Yep. Classic. Very good. Number two, cookie dough. Never go wrong getting a, uh, a cookie dough blizzard. Fantastic. And number one, of course, is Reese's. Just a straight up. Reese's Blizzard. It, that's probably what I would eat before. I, if they give me one thing to eat before I die, it's probably going to be a, a, a large Reese's Blizzard. You know, I used to get the larges all the time. We we went over the Fourth of July holiday, and I got a small, like a, like a normal human being, and I was like, God, this is a lot of ice cream. I don't think I could handle going all in on the uh, the large anymore. What about Maisie? Because Maisie can Maisie eat a large Blizzard? Maisie, uh, let's say Maisie. Could you eat a big ice cream if you had a chance? Yeah, she's shaking her head yes while smiling. She could. So good. Let, let us know your favorite Blizzard flavors in the chat. By the way, Verter, uh, uh, uh David says Reese's peanut butter is the best. I saw a uh, an Oreo in there. Verteram Gonzo says he'll donate twenty dollars if if you eat a bowl of Count Chocula without milk but with KC beer. Twenty bucks is not enough, Gonzo. Uh, that's one of those <laughs> things you don't you don't put your hands together with that. Okay, yeah, Count Chocula yeah. and KC beer are sacred things, and if you yep. mix them. It's just not, it's like, it's like, I love peanut butter. It's probably my favorite food in the world. But if I mix that with pasta, which is probably like my third favorite food in the world, it'd be a disaster. John F says he'll match it though. So that now makes it getting, 40 now bucks. We're ta- now we're, now we're talking. If we could get up over a hundred bucks 
and I'm and I'm collecting. None of there's no offense to the overlords of fan side, but I'm they're not collecting on me. Okay, <laughs> no, it's I'm, for you. Yeah, if I'm collecting, we could have this discussion. We could have this discussion. I because uh, I feel like in a weird way it would be like all right, it's for you know. It's for the Matt Verderan Foundation. Be fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, but yeah, it, it would have to be for a little more than 20 bucks because I feel like if you put like those two things together, I don't know, I would taste combined. I'd have to also figure out which beer would be the best beer to use. Yeah, maybe a stout. Oh, uh, Tone says a to right? 50. Tone's, Tone's going to big. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have to keep up on this. And at some point, yeah, well, I also have to get more well, Casey beer. So that's a, and I got to get Count Chocula. So there's yeah. there's some hurdles to be cleared here. But that's you know why I didn't even think about that, man. Count Chocula season is coming. But no, I know, like I know, and John F saying milk stout. That's what I'm thinking. Good call, John. Yeah, milk stout. Yeah, yeah agree. So, yeah, Count Chocula season is coming. We need to keep track of this and like get people to actually like if they're really seriously willing to be crazy enough to put up money now go fund me we're up well now we're up to io it's just 20 bucks yeah we almost have to like somehow keep track of this yeah at some point yeah i mean i have listen i have shame but not not that much shame okay like i i will absolutely sit there and put count chocula with casey beer uh if that's uh if that's gonna line my pockets i'm not i think it starts to I, I, I think it starts to, I don't know. It's starting to sound pretty good to me. I, I might dive in. Young lost. It's my, my part. <laughs> right. uh, Nate asked Patrick, how was the last drive-in? Uh, it was awesome, man. Uh, saw on my Twitter, I went to a, a horror nerd event at the local theater here. Uh, met the folks from the last drive-in, if anybody's a horror fan. By the way, speaking of ways to expand the Arrowhead Attic community before we get out of here, just, uh, and I'm going to need to be doing a, a, a Jose says Frankenberry deserves a mention too. Yeah, great Frank. I, I'm going to be working out like crazy this fall because I'm going to eat 15 boxes of Count Chocula. Um, so, you know, I lost a little bit of weight just, just to just get ready for Count Chocula season. I have a Peloton. I've mentioned it on the podcast uh, a while back. Uh, no big deal. Most of you don't care. But if you do have a Peloton and you want to work out with me, there's an Arrowhead Addict uh, hashtag that I made. Somebody suggested it months ago. I made the hashtag and then forgot to mention it on the podcast. So it exists. If you ever want to do a ride with me, uh, it's hashtag Arrowhead Addict or Arrowhead Addict Podcast. It'll pop up. Uh, I would love to see that grow. And, uh, you know, we can... Uh, we can get in shape together, which is always a good thing when you're heading into football season. It's it's Count Chocula beer and wing season. I'm ready. We're we're almost there. Jay Ward says the Peloton got Patrick right. Uh, actually, it was the is the stop eating like a like a pig uh, got me right, but the Peloton helped. All right, Vergram. Any parting thoughts for the Arrowhead addicts out there before we uh, hit the road? Uh, no. Uh, keep an eye on Orlando Brown. I'll do a little due diligence yep. uh, the next day or two here. I was going to try to do some today, but I got really busy with meetings and and other articles I have to write. Keep an eye on that. We are about a week away from the deadline, uh, and then it's training camp. That's it. We're ready to roll. It's time for Chiefs football, and it's time to buy now. Start stocking up on candles and uh, whatever, whatever like uh, rabbit's foot, whatever it is that you believe in brings good luck. Because it's also we're getting into ACL uh, and Achilles season. I don't even so, speak it into existence. Yeah, yeah. Live, live right for the next you know twelve weeks. Like yeah, that's don't, right. no blasphemy, not like just to, to, you know, call your mom no, every day. No nonsense out of you stuff. people. Uh, God yeah. knows there's gonna be enough out of me. Look, that is the one thing I will leave actually with this thought. There's nothing that pisses me off more than these reporters at camp. And I, I am as some na- who covers nationally, I am not at camp, I'm not a beat writer. It drives me nuts. Not only at Chiefs camp, but just in general. When beat guys like, oh, so-and-so's leaving on a cart, and then like that's it. And then you yeah. find and then, like 20 minutes later, after there's a total meltdown, like, oh no, it's fine. He left on the front of the cart, getting his ankle tape. You're like, come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, let's be better than that, people. Let's do the job right. Yeah. 
Yeah, everybody, everybody leaves on the carton training camp. Calm down. Joshua says rosary beads or yeah, that's it, man. Uh, whatever you need to do, wear your lucky, uh, your lucky boxers all, all summer long. I don't care. Uh, but don't bring any bad juju. We want good juju this year in Kansas city in more ways than one. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for, for all of our members. You guys are the absolute best. We had a great turnout today for the show. Um, and you guys are the core of what we do. We'd love to see uh, and meet more of you. If you want to join, get the link in the description. Thanks to you, Matt. Thanks to our producer, Richard. We will see you guys next Tuesday when Matt and Sterling return. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, take care of yourselves. And as always, go Chiefs. You have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.